You are listening to a message from Thrive Community Church, a church located in Southwest Florida. For more info, visit us at thrive-fl.org. I don't know if you realize this, but up until recently, most cultures, almost all cultures in this world, up until the modern era, tended to really revere ancient texts and wisdom as well as maturity of age. You know, the elders were the seed of wisdom in most cultures. We'll find that in the Bibles as elsewhere. But then the modern age came apart uh, about the Enlightenment, for instance. And the point was to throw off all of these external authorities and say, no, we are going to learn just through our own reason and our own experimentation, what the truth is and what really matters and what life is all about. Descartes, who said, I think, therefore I am, that's what it is all about, our rationality. And so through reason and testing, we can solve all the problems of life and figure out all the mysteries of life. It's the only way to find any truth that's worth knowing anyways. So the question is, how have we done on this? You know? How are we doing? Technology is wonderful. Hey, in fact, you know, like I could order right now my uh, lunch right online and get it delivered. I don't even have to go in anywhere. It's great stuff. And uh, life is so much safer and so much more comfortable. Oh, thank you for air conditioning in Southwest Florida, right? Uh, Was it... um, Carrier invented it like it was his birthday just this week, and we can celebrate that that guy figured it out. That's the one thing I am so, you know, those things, I can't imagine living in the South without that, just even like 75 years ago or 100 years ago. Maybe that's why Florida was not too populated back then. But if you look at our lives today and compare them to our ancestors a couple hundred years ago, though we have many more comforts, though we may have some more justice, and it assumes, it is assuming that we were freed people back then, a couple hundred years ago, because there were a lot of people who were enslaved or facing all sorts of difficulties under certain burdens that... So, but for the freed people back then compared to the people today, and I'm not trying to dismiss all of those things by any means, but um, our lives are much easier, right? They didn't have vacations. They didn't have health benefits. Their life expectancy was much shorter. And yet, paradoxically, if you were free, if you were somewhat well off, you had a piece of land, etc., and you compare their happiness to our happiness today, they were happier. There is a lot more self-pity and a lot more whining and complaining and a lot more um, meaninglessness and despair today in our modern era. And not just today here, but what I've noticed as well is I've traveled overseas. I've gone to Nicaragua, to Haiti, to India, uh, to Thailand. And 
There is a lot of poverty, there's a lot of injustice, there's a lot of other things, but what I've noticed among Christians in some of those countries is there is a joy and there is a happiness beyond what I see in the United States. And often, if you ever go on a mission trip overseas, you think you are going to provide them with so many wonderful things, and you get there and you realize the poverty of your own faith and the wealth of their wisdom and maturity and love and mercy. They've got something we don't have. We got the stuff, but they've got a rootedness and a centeredness about them that we're missing. So, today we're going to talk about that, of how you can replenish by going back to some of the old traditions, if you want to say it, to reflection, to meditation in God's word and how that will make a difference. So today we're going to be looking at Psalm 1 and we're going to look at what the good life really is and how many people are missing out on that life. And the question is really not so much those people over there and what they're not doing, you know, okay? But it's me. How am I missing out? Where am I trying to find the good life? And how can I have more of God's life that he intended me to have? And I think Psalm 1 answers all those questions. So let's read it. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers." The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So from this psalm, we're going to learn three things today that will increase, I believe, your satisfaction. And the word that this psalm uses is your blessedness, your happiness, in fact. That's what the word actually means. We'll look at that. That you will be replenished and have the satisfaction and happiness of life that God intended you to have and what that all means. And so we're going to explore these three things, the importance of blessing, the futile search for blessing, and the way to receive true blessing. First of all, the importance of blessing. And that's how the psalm starts out. You saw it starts out, blessed is the man, blessed is the person, And then it goes on to explain how you get it and how you don't. But the word blessed here is very important. It's actually the Hebrew word. It's unusual. It's the word esher. And it doesn't, um, the usual typical word for bless is baruch, which is to bless God and to bless, you know, and to be in that. But this word actually has more of a meaning of happiness or satisfaction or contentment in life than the other word for bless. It's not as, quote, religious of a word. Its root actually comes from the Akkadian language, which I know. What? Yeah, it's another Middle Eastern cousin language to Hebrew. And that root means to have things correct and in right order. That's what the word actually means. So it's really, and having things in the right order means your life is then happy or blessed. So in other words, it's a result of one aligning life with God's order, God's instructions, and and receiving and making sure that your life is aligned with what God intends, then you will 
be happy. Now, why is blessing important? You know, we use the word blessing, right? Uh, I love the southern expression, bless her heart. It's actually uh, kind of a backhanded slap at somebody, right? Because <laughs> you're saying, boy, they need to be blessed because they really are a mess. But um, I don't know. We use the word blessed and our blessed life and all this stuff. But I don't think we realize, we, we tend to think of it in a shallow way where I think Dallas Willard, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, gets it right. He says it this way. He says, our souls were made to be blessed and cannot survive without the blessing. I like that quote. That is something to just kind of simmer in. You were made to be blessed, and you cannot survive without the blessing. So what you're longing for, what you are looking for, what you are searching for at all times is to live in that blessed life. We need it. So blessing is really, you need the esteem that somebody, you know, the honor the recognition that you are valued, that you ultimately matter, that you have a future. Those are the things that are all tied in with what the word blessing actually means. And a curse is not, you know, necessarily a foul word spoken at you. A curse is when someone withdraws their esteem or honor or they show disrespect to you. And do you notice how our society is really filled with a lot of cursing today in just how we treat one another? We're disrespecting. We're neglecting. So it can be just simple neglect. It can be structurally set up so that you don't get blessed like I get blessed. That's a curse. There's all sorts of ways of doing it. This is probably one of our huge issues today is where do you, are you going to find your blessing? Are you going to have it? Is it something that is actually permanently in your life or is it something that's fleeting and going by? So Dallas Willard hit on something that I don't think our modern era understands. We talked about how the modern era thinks reason and experimentation, you're going to find everything that you need to in life, right? So it assumes that human beings are thinking animals. Rational. How rational have people been lately? No. The Bible does not say that's how human beings are. And what Willard is saying is, uh, you are who you are because you have been named. You have been blessed. You have been spoken to. And therefore you are. So like at the end of the services online, we've been doing a naming or blessing from God that God gave to Aaron to give to the people time and again to place his name on them and basically to say, this relationship is what you are all about. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. Do you understand? Basically, you have God's favor on you. You have God's relationship with you. You have God's faithfulness. You are his. That's what makes your life blessed. So um, getting back. So we're not necessarily rational animals. We're not thinking animals, first of all. Augustine of Hippo, I don't know if you've ever heard of St. Augustine. Augustine of Hippo was a North African um, father of the church, lived from about 350-ish A.D. to 430. And he asserted that we are not primarily thinking animals. We're not even primarily believing 
beings, but we are desiring beings. So David Swanson, in a book I've recently read, puts it this way. We are creatures of desires whose love orients us through the world. It's what you love that makes you who you are. Have you ever thought of that? So what he's really saying is that the reason the world is the way it is is people are seeking and doing what they want to do because they have certain desires, and then they turn around and rationalize why that's a good thing. That's what's natural. We desire blessing, so that's what we're looking for. And then when we get it, or when we have it, or when we think we're getting it from this, we rationalize about it, and then talk about it, and then justify it, and then are scared to death if anybody's going to take that away. And we're always seeking it. So it's what you love. People do what they want to do. And then they rationalize why it's the right thing to do. That's how people work. They're desiring creatures. It's really hard to get people to go against what they want. Have you ever noticed that? You can have as rational of an uh, argument as you want right now, you know? And I know I could step my foot into it big time right now. For instance, I'm, not, I'm the only one in here not wearing a face mask at the moment, but that is, you know, seems to be a flashpoint. So you can have all of the scientific data out there saying wearing masks will reduce the rate of infection by 50%. And yet people will say, I, you know, they will come up with their reasons. And why they come up with their reasons is because they don't want to wear a mask. Period. That's it. It's not because it makes rational sense. It's because, well, I'm going to get it any, you know, you've heard all of the irrational, rationalized arguments about all of this stuff. Because people do what they want to do. People are following their desires. And their desires shape them and form them and disciple them. That's what Augustine of Hippo says. And Psalm 1 says the same thing. Psalm 1 says you can have a blessed life. And blessing is what you really need. But you can also miss out on the real blessings of life because you're being discipled and you're following desires that go in the wrong direction. So some people might think, well, you know, my life, if it's happy, if it's not happy, it's really a crapshoot. That's not what Psalm 1 says. Psalm 1 says blessing is important, but blessing is a deliberate choice. God makes of you and then you make in response to God. And you can have a blessed life no matter what the season of life you're in. Okay? So Psalm 1 says, it's not a futile dream to say you want a blessed life, you need it. But it's not going to just come naturally. It's going to come supernaturally as a result of a relationship with God. That's what blessing's all about. Now, the futile search for blessing, as we've kind of been talking about already. Psalm 2 talks about two different ways. Blessed is the man who, and then it says, does not do these things. So it's talking about another way. Uh, it talks about two groups, the wicked and the blessed, the righteous. Now, the people, I think you probably go like, well, you know, yeah, everybody's divided into one or the other, righteous or wicked. But the people who are in the, quote, wicked group probably don't think they're wicked. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's the, like, they just think they're following what they naturally want to do. They're hobnobbing with others. 
They're doing what comes naturally. They're following their heart's desires. But the problem is not so much that they're immoral and terrible. It's the fact that it is futile and worthless. And they're pursuing things that don't work. So that's why in Psalm 1, 4, it says, The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that is blown the wind drives away. You know, it's just kind of blown by the wind. Do you know someone is part of, quote, the wicked, according to the psalm? If you look at their lives, and they're just moved here and there by whatever comes by, that there's no rootedness or centeredness to them. There's no substance. They're just husk, no fruit, no, no actual productivity out of their lives. They're like the chaff. It's kind of that old country western song, I think it was. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. Was that a country western song? Looking for love. I don't know. What, is it considered country western? Okay. Brant Hansen said it this way in one of his books. We will try to find the blessing one way or another, some way to verify that we're significant, valued, and secure. Now, it might be your consumer lifestyle. You're trying to buy yourself into happiness by concerts, sporting events, trips, stuff. It might be you're finding your blessing in the praise of your coworkers and how successful you are and, and the size of your paycheck and or um, the awards that you receive. It might be that you just get on whatever the latest causes or trends. Psalm 1 says you're always looking in the, all the wrong places. Here in this psalm it says not going, uh, sitting in the seat of scoffers, not hanging out. But we often are looking to our peers so often for validation. I mean, have you noticed two-thirds, three-quarters, maybe 99% of Facebook posts are about me basically posting something to get you to tell me how right I am and how good my life is. It's just looking for validation. And it doesn't matter which side of the issue. It's not to have a conversation. Forget trying to have a conversation on Twitter or Facebook. All you're going to get is a bumper sticker back and forth of what people are just blasting each other for. It's a way of blessing, trying to get me blessed and you cursed, you know, in one form or another. And um, we tend to even do this with the media we watch, you know. You watch the channels that will justify what you already believe and you want out of life. That is not the way of the righteous according to the psalm. And that's a really tough one for me because it's like I have to start looking at what am I all taking in? What am I allowing to disciple me? And is it really in line with what God's word says and what God has to say? Or is it just because it's convenient because it makes me feel comfortable, it follows the desires I want, and what I want to get out of life, and I don't want to go there because that's uncomfortable and that's scary and that might make things, and I don't want to deal with it. Psalm 1 says it bluntly. Whatever or whomever it is, if you are allowing that to disciple you and it's not God's word, it can't give you what you want. You're looking for a blessing from something that cannot absolve you, cannot forgive you, cannot comfort you, cannot give you assurance, cannot justify your existence. There's only one who can do that. 
St. Augustine said it this way about how we are desiring human beings and when we go after those types of desire, and he knew quite well because he had gone after it all in his life. He had made a mess of his whole life. He said it this way, for they go their way and are no more and they rend the soul with desire that can destroy it. For it longs to be one with the things it loves and repose in them. But in them is no place to repose because they do not abide. Yeah, I know that's fourth century kind of difficult wording, even in the English, but he's basically saying you're trying to find stuff from things that it can't give you, and you will never find rest for your souls in those things. You will never be replenished by those things. It's fleeting. It's like the chaff that the wind blows away. Okay, so if I'm looking for love in all the wrong places, how in the world do I... (laughs) Find the real blessings, right? So he'll say it again. The psalmist says, it's not the way of the sinners who sit in the seat of scoffers, all the cynical people in this world that we have these days. Don't try to get your validation from the crowd or from the likes on Facebook or from award ceremonies or from a news media right, left, or center. That's not going to do it for you. The psalmist says... But his delight, do you notice that word delight? We are desiring beings. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Now that word law, for a lot, may call like, oh, it's the rules. No, it's not the rules. The word law here is the word Torah, and it's the word for God's instruction. It's his whole revelation. It's the faithfulness of God. It's how God has connected with you, how God has drawn you in, how God has rescued you, how God has covenanted with you, how God has promised you, how God is faithful to you, what God is doing with you, and that he has made you his righteous one. You don't get blessings, by the way, according to this psalm or anywhere in the Bible, by seeking blessings. You know, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount starts out with blessed, the Beatitudes, right? And there's not one of the Beatitudes that says, blessed are those who seek after blessings. (laughs) Now, that's the way a lot of people are doing it. And by the way, that is the biggest problem I have with uh, what's called the prosperity gospel because it's basically blessed are those who are seeking after blessings because what they're doing is using God to get the blessing. No, 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 no. Blessed are, Jesus said, can you name some of the the Beatitudes, anyone? Might as well use the live people here, right? (laughs) Blessed are the? Faint at heart? Meek. Meek. Okay, meek, that is humble. Any others? Blessed are the poor in spirit, which is like they know they're empty and they need God. Blessed are the, those who hunger and seek for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Yay, we need more of that, right? Those are the ones who get blessed. The psalm says, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, not blessed are the one who's looking for the delights of life. To be blessed, you don't seek blessings, you seek God. You seek his word. You are rooted in it. You seek 
God and you get blessings. If you seek blessings, you won't get anything. Seek righteousness and then you discover your happiness. Tell me, I mean, why do, like, I'm going to have to say it about myself, too. Why do, why do we cheat or lie or, um, you know, why do I lie sometimes? Why do, why do we do that? Because there's something more important than the truth to me. And that is my comfort and my desires and my wants. Right? That's why I do it. And, and, and so often people look at uh, something more important than God's will in people's lives. Oh, yes, I'm seeking after God as long as it's fun, it's comfortable, it's easy, doesn't really make any demands on me. Then I'll do it. Well, that's not much of a following God. It's really following your pleasures and using God. So the real ethical dilemma of our day is that we have placed our personal happiness as the most important value above all else. And people will use anything to do that, even God. But the psalmist says, blessed is the one who finds his delight in the law of the Lord. And on his word he meditates day and night. And he says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. Like a tree planted by a stream of water. In the Middle East, you have to understand, uh, they didn't get a lot of rain. Not like Florida. And so, if you wanted to have a tree that actually survived, it had to be next to a stream. And the stream itself could even dry up. It was a, they're called wadis. And it's just like a trench halfway through the year. If you go out to California and you see in L.A., the, uh, what is it called, the, the Los Angeles River? It's a ditch. And it's not even... There's no water in it some of the time. You can drive right, you could, it's just a, it's an, and, but, and like when we lived in Visalia, California, in the, in the area, the big oak trees were all along the irrigation ditches because it got 10 inches of rain a year. And they had to be there because that's the only place you could have the deep roots into the ground and even the water underneath the ground deep roots into it. That's what Paul is saying the righteous is like. The seasons can be blistering hot and difficult and dry and, and the circumstances can be God awful. But that tree is next to and has tapped into a source outside of itself. So the righteous, according to this psalm, are not those who just do good things and look nice. And they are people who have been planted and are rooted deeply in something outside of themselves, in God. You think that this is only in the Psalms? Not at all. In fact, I find it in the New Testament again and again. And here, for instance, Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So you have been planted by God into Jesus Christ. And that was not something easy for God to do. For in fact, for you to be planted into Christ, Jesus himself had to be uprooted from the Father's presence. For Jesus to become your life and your life, and the energy and the focus and your love and everything for you, he had to lose his life. He had to die. He was uprooted. He was taken out of the life of God. He was suspended upon that cross. 
He was homeless and loveless and lifeless and unwanted and unacknowledged. He became a curse so that you would be blessed. He was lost so you would be found. He was without a home so you could find your home in him. He was rejected so you would be accepted. That is why the psalm says this righteous person delights in the law of the Lord because of what that law, what God's word, what God has done and who God is. He's the source of blessing no matter what is going on in your life. Once the psalmist himself was self-centered and pleasure-seeking, just like the rest of the wicked, but God came along and rescued him and made him part of the covenant and his faithfulness of his forgiveness and grace. And that changed his desires. We are what we desire and follow. And St. Augustine would look at you and me today and say, God has desired you. And that's why you can desire him. God has loved you. That's why you can love him. God blesses you. You have all the blessings, according to Ephesians, in Christ in the heavenly places. There's nothing not yours that is Jesus. And that's why we can be replenished. We can have peace. We can have rest. We can, reflecting on God's word, we understand who he is and what he is. I love how Brent Hansen says it. He says, peace is what happens when our souls finally find what they're looking for, the real thing. No more counterfeit blessings, no more elaborate hiding schemes, weak ego protecting excuses or blaming others. There's no need if we trust in the love of God instead of our goodness. Probably the most famous line St. Augustine ever said was, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. I think a better understanding that I've learned over the last few weeks is our desires are chaotic until they find their satisfaction in Jesus Christ. And that's why I can delight in God's law, in season and out, in difficult times and in good times, rooted and planted deeply into the life of God himself. Blessed, that's who you are. Let's pray. And I don't know if we have any other prayer requests that we've received today. Probably not. We do want to, I do want to lift up a couple of prayers. And that is Pastor uh, John Zender at St. Michael's has uh, been hospitalized with COVID-19. And he still remains in the hospital from what I can tell. So we're praying that he improves. His wife, Joni, also has it, but she's been able to stay home. Um, we also want to lift up Andrea Blankenship, um, one of our members who is undergoing chemotherapy at this time. And then we will just be praying for our focus, our replenishment, that our focus is on God's righteousness and his truth, and therefore the blessed life comes as a result of that, not the other way around. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. We thank you for this word, for this truth. Help us to reflect on your word again and again, to be deeply rooted in it on a daily basis, to not spend our time seeking after blessings and things that cannot give it, Lord, that our desires, though chaotic as they are, will find their satisfaction in you and you alone, and that we trust you and believe you in your promises, Lord God. 
we, we thank you, Lord, that uh, even in a time of so many things going chaotically around us, Lord, that we can find our rest, our rejoicing, our redemption, our replenishment in you. Lord God, we pray today that you would visit Andrea and Jeff, that you would bless her, that you would heal her according to your will, that we can glorify you because of what you're going to do in her life, Lord God. And give her rest today, uh, give her strength, uh, and help us to know how to rejoice with her, how to com uh, be comfort to her and support her and Jeff and the family. We lift up to you, Pastor Zender. We pray, Lord, for your healing upon him during this very difficult time that the effects of COVID-19 would be minimalized. And in the days ahead, he would gain his strength and the ability to proclaim your word and your truth in many ways. Lord God, we are going to, at the end of this service, receive um, uh, and have a time of celebration around Holy Communion. And Lord Jesus, we pray that you would truly help us understand how you are our life, that we are connected to you, that you commune with us, that you want to be one with us, Lord God. Forgive us for the sins <laughs> from neglect to um, all the desires that are so out of bounds, Lord God, out, not in the right order and not ordered under your goodness and grace. Forgive us, O Lord. And teach us to desire your word and your truth, that you are the desire of our hearts. Lord, um, we thank you this day for all those who are online and watching right now, as well as those who are present here this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you've made us a church together, the family of God. Teach us more how to live in that light, Lord God. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.